Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you here tonight, it's Ian. And Jay Noon. The verdict came through over the weekend, as I understand it. The uh, man in the robe decided to issue his verdict later on. And while I was optimistic, um, you know, I was optimistic given that he said he was going to take it under advisement. And I've seen a lot of times where a judge taking a case under advisement means they're going to issue a not guilty verdict later. But unfortunately, that turned out to not be the case here, correct? Yep. And, and he wrote sort of a detailed uh, oh, verdict, too. And I, I forgot to bring that with me. In fact, oh, I'm um, surprised about that. That's interesting. I will. Uh, we'll get it and print it up here. Uh, okay. I think I got it digitally and, and we can uh, read that, too. Uh, yeah, I'm curious uh, yeah. that you know, a lot of times the judge gives a verdict. He doesn't have to explain his reasons for it. So I'm surprised that's what you received. Yeah, I'm, well, so I'm glad he re- explained it because basically what he explained is that jurisdiction was proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the state had jurisdiction and that all, all um, elements of the charge had been, um, uh, you know, satisfied without a, uh, you know, without a doubt. Wow. And even the though, child, quote unquote, child endangerment charge, right, the, even though the officer in the case who was on the scene claimed you, you had him admit that the child was not in danger. Yep. Yeah. He, those <laughs> words came right out of his mouth. So like, how mm-hmm. does that possibly mean that they've met the elements of the case? Well, also, what about jurisdiction? So mm-hmm. in, in under American jurisprudence, <clears throat> it is, you know, essentially uh, you have to, you know, in a criminal case, there's there, there's elements. I should have the six elements written down. But anyways, there must be an injury. You know, there must be uh, some kind of harm or loss. Right. And uh, we ask the complaining the, party, uh, uh, a legal entity. Yeah. Uh, actually, the c- complaining party is uh, state and the definition of state. Um, uh, we can look that up, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, it just says the state is the District of Columbia, the United States. That's what the definition of state is, according to the New Hampshire Code mm-hmm. in their statutory construction. I believe it's uh, RSA 21.4 whatever. Uh, but anyways, the um, <clears throat> yeah, so. The uh, complaining entity is just is just a piece of paper in a filing cabinet. That's right. all the state is, and and, and I also asked a ju- uh, you know I asked a cop um, uh, what evidence he had that uh, the New Hampshire RSA applied you know to to my wife Shallon. and he said he didn't have he any evidence. Didn't have any. I c- I couldn't believe that they didn't object to that question either. Right, and they uh, didn't, and he answered it. And, and then also I asked him what evidence he had, just because you're. Uh, someone is standing on the land of the so- the soil of the land we call New Hampshire. That's New Hampshire code or, or 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 laws apply to them. And you know that was when he you know mouthed to the prosecutor, "Help mm-hmm. me!" And the prosecutor objected, and a judge overruled his objection because the prosecutor basically asked him a very similar question just before that, mm. and uh, he said, "No, there he didn't have any evidence." So right. you know, evidence of um, jurisdiction uh, needs to be. Uh, improvement like so for example like uh, you have Rahm Emanuel uh, and I forget the other guy's name the, the, the guy with the uh, 2008 he was the uh, I don't know if it was a prosecutor or the uh, he used to attorney. be the mayor of Chicago didn't well, he? well Rahm Emanuel but there was another guy who did yeah. a similar thing so Rahm Emanuel says that they, they couldn't go after the banks and 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 the cartels because they couldn't prove jurisdiction. They didn't have all the elements of the crime, even mm-hmm. though these guys committed all these crimes. Uh, with the 2008 financial crisis, uh, the prosecution was like, well, uh, we can't go after all these bankers because we can't fulfill all the elements of the crime. But what happens is 
the bankers, you know, uh, and 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 the government people, they're all, you know, hanging out in Jepstein's Island together mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I'm Jeffrey Epstein's Island. I said Jepstein. <laughs> and uh you know, so and they're all members of, you know, the same bar association. They're all which is basically a, you know, an employees union for lawyers, and they're right. all going to the same golf golf courses and hanging out and partying on the same yachts. So, <clears throat> you know, the, they just selectively enforce all these laws. Sure. But when it's but when you're someone that has, you know, uh, New, Hel- New Hampshire Health Freedom on the back of your car, and New Hampshire Health Freedom has been a real thorn in the side, you know, essentially to the um, state, at, you know, at, at the New Hampshire level and the police locally because, you know, how dare moms take their children to a city park while we're in a lockdown over a fake, you know, scamdemic. Healthy children are extremely valuable in the adoption marketplace, and it is social workers that that that, that are working and run these adoption agencies. Um, <clears throat> so I'm thinking with the you know health freedom thing on on you know on the car, the you know basically we were identified as free staters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, we have this history of Concord police uh, attacking free staters, attacking health freedom people. You know, you got uh, J.R. Hole for example. They basically you know wanted to round up his you know. Four kids, which are basically, I believe, are all teenagers or maybe you know a little younger than that. Some of them, yep. And um, you know, over to punish him for being a critic, right? Of, right. Uh, DCYF, yeah. And, and and he was been out speaking out against DCYF, um, you know, long before, you know for for years. Uh, and a lot of people have, and so have I. Uh, and well, speaking out against the state in general. And then you got, <clears throat> you know, the New Hampshire Noble Nine. They were, you know, and you know. Uh, you know, pushing back against the federal money for the mandates. These guys were all arrested. You know, all people who, you know, there's not a single affidavit that exists that they hurt anybody. Um, all right, hold yeah. that thought. Yep. I, w- I got the statistics here, and it's not what I thought it was. I thought the number was births per family uh, being less than two, and that is not what they're measuring. They're measuring births per women, which in theory could be extrapolated to births per family, presuming the woman stays in the same family, but that's not necessarily what it's not what they're looking at here. I right? know many women that are my age, I'm 43 or thereabouts, yeah. that have children from one, two, more than one, three, yeah. four, five men. Yes, no, that's There's absolutely a lot true. of that going on. Uh, so that that's not, um, and they're so, all on welfare, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, right? So we're not measuring per family here. The number is one point six six per twenty twenty one's numbers. So that's the most recent apparently number. Um, as far back as two thousand and seven, it was two point one per woman. So two point one children per woman it is now one point six six. Back in 1961, it was 3.6, so it's gone down quite a bit yep. uh, since that time. So, and we got to get back to the you. You mentioned Japan is happening in Japan, and in, mm-hmm. in a minute, remind me. We'll, I, I got some commentary on that. So, anyways, I, I believe we were targeted because we have these high value assets that the state, um, you know, has been able to a, able to easily acquire from people in the past. Uh, so in these documentaries about um, child protective services and the uh, child trafficking and the um, child sex trade and all the children that just disappear that are in custody of child protective services, like the amount of children that disappear that are, are, are in custody of uh, DCYF is, is, is alarming mm-hmm. because what happens is, so with DCYF, nobody has access to any of these records because everything's sealed because it's all minors. Right. They have a whole separate family court, which technically isn't even really a court. 
Um, it's not public. That's for it, sure. It's, it's not public. It's not a court. They have ex parte hearings. Um, so, like, you know, the the order that was, you know, uh, used to um, try to li- literally take my kids away um, uh, to <clears throat> uh, was an ex parte uh, order. N- nobody had any access to it, and it was full of lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they went and they got a contempt charge. And and the order doesn't even name me as someone who's ordered to do something. It didn't name my wife. It named a uh, police officer who was, was supposed to, like, you know, uh, do this assessment, they call it. And, right. and, and this assessment also, if you do in uh, Save the Babies, they talk about how the how the federal government gives like a four to six thousand dollar paycheck it's, it, it's not clear exactly how much money but it's different in different you know jurisdictions for each time dcyf does uh an assessment on a family and then they get like a big chunk of money when dcyf does uh, uh removes a kid from the family they get like another several thousand dollars the federal government gives them and then they get uh, a big chunk of money each month from the federal government uh, for these kids being in the custody of the state. So DCYF came at you guys a little while ago. About a year and, ago. Yeah, and they tried to come there with this supposed order, and you didn't let them in. Right. Um, you confronted them with a video camera. Yes. Uh, they brought police with them, but ultimately you didn't want, they wanted to actually interview your two-year-old, I think at the time, Alone. privately. Yep. Um, thankfully, you declined right. that particular offer, and a lot of people will just do whatever it is they're told, and right. they get themselves deeper and deeper and deeper into this system. Andrew, watching us on Twitch. Go ahead, Andrew. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, um, I'm 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 the kind of guy that I I work for myself. I okay. reupholster furniture, nice. and thank um, you for your service. I don't I don't take stuff that I don't earn, and I'm just finding it harder and harder to be a person that that kind of lives by certain principles, and. I don't really know how to explain it, but I feel like the world is getting harder and harder for people like me that that just want to try to survive on my own mm-hmm. and not take from people. And um, I don't really know how to explain it, but I feel like I, I work really hard to not be a burden on people. Right. But I feel like that leaves me in the dark. I feel like I, I have... I basically have secluded myself because mm-hmm. I don't want to live the way the world tells me to live. Sure. Same. And I just want to get your opinion on how how to cope with that, I guess. Move to New Hampshire. <laughs> Where do you live, Andrew? Well, I live in Tennessee, but I've moved okay. around. I've lived in Seattle for years, and, I mean, I've moved around the country and I've traveled across the country and I've seen a lot of things and done a lot of things, but I just want to do for myself. You know, I don't, I don't need anybody for me. Well, um, here's the cool thing about New Hampshire. So like, for example, during 2020, the height of the uh, scamdemic, um, my kids didn't see anybody wearing a mask because we had a community of people who, didn't aren't part of this you know cult zombie algorithmic slave whatever was going on and it just didn't they didn't mask you know they didn't mandate like you know pretty much none of my friends got the vaccine none of my friends got vaccine injured and the uh and 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 even like uh you know we had hangouts we had we had a big uh pig roast 120 people showed up for it at our place we had play dates every week with the kids Mm -hmm. um you know and 
uh, New Hampshire has just a really, really good community. And being someone who, like, you have your own business, you're an upholster, um, I'm sure there's many other things that you could use your upholstering, upholstery skills, I guess you would call it, to do whatever you probably want. Um, but um, Well, really, of- my, the reason I'm good at upholstery is because I've done other things be- before. So actually, the upholstery stuff is like secondary in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more... I don't know. I just love doing it. I love the the community you can build around it. And I guess I like hearing what you have to say, Jay, specifically, because you're in that world where you're using your hands and you're like doing things where you create things that are actually practical. And um, I, I guess for me, you know, I'm trying to build my own community where I am. How's but- it working out? Well, it's, I mean, I'm a loner anyway, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it works good to a point, but, you know, I don't have anybody to shoot ideas off of. That sounds really tough. Um, I, you know, I wasn't a uh, loner when I lived in Florida. I mean, I certainly had some friends, and most of them were, were freedom-friendly people, but I've got so many people here that I know in New Hampshire. There's so many social opportunities. There's so much to do with that with that community, uh, the community of libertarian, voluntarist, like-minded, liberty-loving anarchist types here in New Hampshire that you can actually be picky about which events you want to go to. Yeah, because there's uh, like two every day. Because you can't do them all. There's like four every so you, weekend. <laughs> yeah, you have to be picky by uh, by the nature of you know the beast. And the, so you're literally, I mean, even if you're a loner, uh, you can still get out there and you can you can meet other people who you get along with. Uh, there's a lot of different kind of you know clubs and groups and, and things like that that are going on here. You don't have to build the community. That's one of the nice things here is, you know, a loner, as you describe yourself, trying to build a community of people of like mind is going to be a almost futile task, it's going to be very, very difficult to start that from zero. We got 20 years in on this thing here. We got two decades of thousands of freedom-minded people uh, who have moved here as part of the, the Free State Project. So, you know, we've got that base. We've got that community. We've got the market days that are going on every, what is it, once yeah, a month every all weekend, over the place. There's market days. Yeah. Uh, would, would, you, would, you, would you say that if somebody moved to New Hampshire with, the, with some kind of skill or the willingness to work, they could probably make make it happen. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're willing to work in New Hampshire, there are plenty of people who are willing to hire. I mean, even well, right you now, people to reupholster furniture. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't say for sure if you know what what sort of jobs are available, but I know there's a lot of jobs available. So the women who are on Instagram and Snapchat and you know having OnlyFans and you know who are looking at all these dating apps and stuff. You you don't you want to be anywhere near those women because what happens is the the top five percent are the ones that get those girls right basically. so so the top five percent of dudes because all these girls they want the sixes they want mm-hmm. a six foot tall six figure income and six inches for some reason <laughs> that uh, that that's what the three sixes yeah. are so um and and, and I listen to, I I I've been doing like a lot of research like the past couple of years on like this particular thing like you know what's going on with women. Um, and how to raise kids. So I've been paying attention. There's, a, there's a, the Whatever podcast. I don't know if you heard of that. Oh, yeah. It's, it, I mean, I've never actually watched no, the I've full thing, but there's clips of it yeah, online, yeah. and it's and, just painful. Yeah, and, and, and then you have uh, Just Pearly Things. Okay. Uh, Pearl Davies, I think, is the lady's name. And um, so, like, they've got 
per, between what uh, what uh, whatever and Pearl Davies and um, Manosphere, um, they're kind of uh, you know explaining sort of what's happening. So with with the women that are you know looking on the dating apps, the thing is is right now the the women have access to a dating pool of all of uh, you know the entire world to mm-hmm. where you know you know twenty five years ago it was who's in the neighborhood and who right. you met in person, right? And and so now. Um, you know, or, or, or the closest thing 25 years ago was the uh, singles ads and, you know, in your regional newspaper mm-hmm. uh, or want advertiser. So now with uh, this opportunity, what the women are doing is they're just picking the bad boys. So the bad boys are, are, are what the uh, women are becoming attracted to, because what happened is uh, so young girls, the same thing when they're going through their change, their their breasts are developing, they're going to menstruate, they're going to start menstruating. Um, so at about that time, what is what's developing with them? is uh, their attraction to men. So these girls that are raised by dads that just aren't in the picture um, or are just raised by single moms, you know, who, who, who do they have to look at, um, you know, as the, uh, they're going to build their attractiveness to is like Brad Pitt or, you know, whoever's well, the on funny, TV. The funny thing is the real bad boys are the ones that are actually like, the smart people that are like taking into account, like, Hey, I'm a man and you know, I got to control myself, you know, like I'm a real bad boy because I'm in control of my masculinity, you know? And that's what, that's what women don't understand is that, you know, a, a, a real bad boy is the, the man that's like in control mm. of his, his emotions, when, you know. When I say when I say that women are interested in the bad boys, it's these women on the internet and on these dating apps that like eighty percent of them are basically hooking up and banging, you know, just randomly, you know, five percent of the dudes. Mm-hmm. And so there's a so 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 the dudes that are you know six foot tall that are good looking that you know you can just say you make all kinds of money nobody knows and uh, they're you know yeah. have no problem with this hookup culture just hooking up with multiple women. Uh, I, I actually have friends that have like literally a body like guys have a body count of like five, six hundred women. It's insane. And, and they're and, and it's because of the hookup apps, because basically. That's That's, I, but see, as even as a man, though, like I would feel bad to be. I just couldn't even imagine that. Like, I, mean, I, I don't the, know. I guess the STD a, risk alone is crazy. But oh, yeah, uh, I, I will say this, Andrew. I saw somebody as far as like dating prospects and that kind of thing. I saw a gentleman who appears to be maybe, I don't know, in his mid 30s or. 40 or somewhere in that range. Uh, He migrated to New Hampshire, I think as a part of the Free State Project, but he came from Rhode Island. So, you know, your mileage may vary. And he said the quality of women that he's been dating has increased dramatically just by moving from Rhode Island to New Hampshire. So one of the things that we have here in New Hampshire, the reason I asked you if you had kids or a wife. So if you don't have kids or a woman, you are the and 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 you have skills and you know how to do stuff. You probably know how to fix it. You can change your tire, right? You could probably, you know, maybe change the universal joint on your drive shaft. You maybe your brakes, right? Yeah. Uh, so you're like I could probably do a lot of things. So yeah. you're so so you don't have a problem just getting in your car and driving wherever you want because because you can just do it. Um, you probably. Um, and, they, and, they could be they could be smart or dumb at the same time. I don't know. So, so, so when so when you're an old man, you got to think about the future. When you're an old man, do you want to be surrounded by a bunch of young um, algorithmic slaves who are begging government for help? Uh, you know, uh, uh, and and people who you know the the addiction part of their brain has just being been stimulated. You know, basically since they you know, well, uh, no, you know were six that's, months that's, old. That's, 
That's uh, why I reupholster furniture because okay. it's like a very but, it requires a lot of skill. And and, and actually, so you're reupholstering. That brings me to another point. So I do with uh, you know man camp, right? I teach kids my skills. You, that's something you could be doing right now. Is you could be teaching young people maybe some kind of apprenticeship program to where you teach people your skill how how, how to do this because. Um, you know, it's, it's important that somebody learns your trade and that you pass it on. And it will also make you better at that. And then you are going to tremendously increase um, the value of the culture of the people around you. My particular case, for you know, for example, or my wife's particular case, in Massachusetts, what you would get first is a show cause hearing. And that's essentially what I, you know, the bench trial was, was like mm-hmm. a show cause hearing. So in Massachusetts, it's a show cause hearing for like a criminal charge. Uh you go in front of a magistrate, and a magistrate would look at the evidence and, and see if it should be moved forward to a trial or dismissed. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the magistrate just literally rubber stamp everything that the um, you know police put in front of them. Yeah, because, they're not going to dismiss you know, it. They're, they're, because their pension fund depends on it. Sure. All these guys draw off the same pension fund. Uh, there is a thing called the Court Registry Investment System. Uh, the acronym is uh, uh, the CRIS. And it's a um, Court Registry Investment System where every time a case is, is created— um, <clears throat> there are bonds that are basically created out of thin air and they trade on these, uh, like, um, marketplaces or like stock exchange type things. It's actually pretty much all over in Europe where these bonds trade or the UK or whatever. <clears throat> but anyways, the, uh, you know, their, their system depends on it. So that's happening everywhere. But here in New Hampshire, uh, so you get support, you know, especially if you're, um, you know, fighting the right fight for freedom. I mean, you know, people who, you know, um, do actual crimes where they're like they beat their girlfriend or they kill somebody or they steal property mm-hmm. or you know they commit perjury or you know things like this uh they don't get a courtroom full of people supporting them right but if you're someone who is you know you know fighting a good fight and you're brought up on victimless crimes you're, you know where there's no injury there's no 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 um you know valid cause of action nobody's rights have been uh infringed upon uh, and you ask for it, you're going to get some support. You had uh, a full courtroom, yes. uh, and, and it would have been more people in there, but they actually moved the trial to the smallest courtroom in the courthouse for yep. your uh, for your wife just because they knew there was a large group of people yep. there, and they wanted to exclude as many people as possible. But it was a full courtroom, and I counted from 30 to 40 adults. I didn't even count the kids. There's right. probably another 10 to 15 of them. Uh, so very, very large turnout for this particular hearing. But... Uh, I mean, just going to play. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Maybe you know, but play as though I'm I'm Frank, and say, well, yeah, well, what good does that do? So you got uh, 30 people in the court. You still got found guilty. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> and, and, we'll, and we'll read the verdict here in a little bit, but yeah, yeah. yeah you got found guilty, and it's a kangaroo court. So, mm-hmm. so here's the thing: <clears throat> the circuit court is like the lowest level of court. So basically, the judge that was in this particular case is a low-level judge. Right. Um, so either this it's judge— It's his job to find you guilty, basically. Right. It's his job to keep up the system. It's his job to make sure that the um, judicial pension fund— you know, this is what these guys are working for. They're working for their pensions. They want to keep their Get that pensions. 90%? Yep, yeah. They, they want that judicial pension fund to be nice and full of money, and the federal government gives them money to enforce— uh, actually, uh, in uh, childhood endangerment, there's uh, that particular charge has a federal incentive. Hmm. I haven't figured out the exact federal incentive, and but what I tipped me off to it as I was doing research, uh, there was a woman in Portsmouth who uh, was charged with um, uh, in child childhood endanger child endangerment, leaving two kids, three kids in a car, uh, a nine year old and a, a, like a five and a two year old, 
she ran into a store car and with the car running and you know the nine-year-old could have jumped in the car and drove off you know <laughs> i jumped in the driver's seat and drove off so uh for example uh so and, and in that newspaper article um it says uh that uh the federal government um you know provides you know funding for municipalities uh to essentially mm. enforce this uh well, i can't remember the rsa off the top of my head but this child endangerment thing um okay. so it, so you know it's there you just got to show I, I, I know the, it's the there details we're, on it. we're working on it i got i got actually but come back to the question of how does it help to have 30 40 people in the courtroom what's the benefit of that if uh, you're going to get found guilty anyway the judge doesn't care that you, they're in there you first off you know, it's like showing up to, uh, you know, to a fight and you got 30 people behind you that are going to, you know, maybe support you and at least they're there mm-hmm. to, like, make sure it's a fair fight or at least try. Um, and it definitely helps your confidence when you, when your friends right. will take the day off of work, you know, well, whatever, you know, take their four kids, put them in a minivan and bring it to the courthouse. Like, that's difficult. For it a is. A, I agree with you. It is a really nice thing to see people that you know backing you up even though you know it's probably not going to make a difference to the judge or whatever but it's a nice thing to have that in there and in and further it having a large group of people changes the dynamics of the courtroom environment in a way that if you've never experienced it you can't really understand what it's like so your typical courtroom environment is like if you're just there at an arraignment or something and you're the only person there and there's, you know, only friend of yours, right? Like maybe you and one friend or you and your wife or girlfriend or whatever, and that's it. And then everybody else in the room is just a normal person. You know, there's another 25 to 50 people in there that are also there being charged with victimless crimes and other nonsense. Everybody just talks like this. If they talk at all, they're just whispering. Yep. It's like you're it's like they're in church. Sometimes to like reprogram, you know, bad behavior, mm-hmm. you need to feel some pain. Um, and, you know, like I had said, <clears throat> I was in a bar when I was like mm, 24 and uh, there was a guy in town. He was known locally as just the local a-hole mm-hmm. and he was a big dude. Uh, he was like in his 40s um, and he was like kind of a biker type guy but like you know could never keep it together to own a harley you know one of those guys that you know the want to be biker well he had like the tattoos and the leather jacket and you know and the skull cap he would wear anyways he um i remember he's slapping his girlfriend around like he's Mm. hurting her and she's like upset and i and i'm like why don't you pick on someone your own size and Mm -hmm. i just i started you know wailing on him and uh he and and I ended up with a black eye and a fat lip, and it was from the girlfriend. What? Yeah, so she I, defended him. Yeah, I well, I I basically um, gave him a couple of shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he stumbled backwards. He come at me, and um, <clears throat> so he was he was way bigger than me. Uh, he wasn't as good a shape as me. You know, at mm-hmm. that time I was you know moving hundred pound bags of grain every day, stacking hay. You know, I was pretty mm-hmm. strong. I was I was fat and overweight too, but so was he. But I was stronger. And, um, and I basically took him and he came at me and I sort of stepped out of the way and helped, you know, put him head first into a wall. He broke the sheetrock. Um, and the, uh, <laughs> and he's like laying there on the ground and he's like, and, and then I just, all of a sudden I turn around and I get wailed wow. by his girlfriend and like, she he never no good actually deed goes unpunished he never touched me <laughs> you know Damn. I, I and um uh it, it was it was 
probably the first time I really tried to drive my fist into someone hard, but mm-hmm. like for like four days, my hand hurt bad. I bet. I bet. Um, Damn. And uh, the hand actually hurt worse more than like like more than my face. But yeah, they're like, "What happened to you?" You got a you know, black eye and a fat lip. I'm like, "God, oh, this girl punched me," <laughs> and uh, you know, and like it's a girl punching me. I'm all I just left. That's right. all I could do. You yeah. know, you can't. I I I, 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 w- I wouldn't hit a girl. And um, so but uh, and then like six months later, um, I was actually in the Palmer courthouse, and she was there filing a restraining order against, against him. The guy and. Huh. Uh, she was like, "Can I call a witness?" And uh, and 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 I'm like, <clears throat> and I didn't even know it was her. And she goes, "There's a guy who witnessed him beat me. Uh, he's over there. I'm not sure what his name is." And I'm like, "She's pointing at me." And uh, and so I'm like, "Yeah, I remember this." And mm. so I just said what happened, you know. And wow, um, did she apologize to you later? Oh, she gave me a big hug, and she was like, "I'm so sorry." Yeah, she okay. she was actually became sort of a friend That's for a little. Good. Yeah, That's good. and but she was like, "I was in a bad place. I was doing drugs." And like, and this guy was known as like a you know, but you know, that's the kind of people that hang out at bars, right? Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. I got James in Kentucky on the line. James, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Jay. I'll tell you what. These uh, people that go to court and stuff, they yeah. need to start filling in some papers and send it to in the court, tell them their, you know, what they know and stuff. Against their rules. See, you got when you go in the court, you got to take their rules against them. What they post to uphold, like the Constitution and all that. Well, it's easier said than done. I mean, sometimes you bring up the Constitution, the judge will find you in contempt because he doesn't want the Constitution brought up in his courtroom. Yeah, I've been threatened with it's that several times. Though. It's admissible, though. Well, not if the judge says He's it's a not. Crook. He's ju- a crook. Right, they That's are. Fine. Then the judge says... Uh, I have ruled that the, that the uh, Constitution doesn't apply or doesn't matter in this case. And I believe the judge is probably right when he says that because when you're if you're claiming to be a United States citizen on some document, you filled out some government form and check off the box, United States citizen, you have condemned yourself to be a second-class citizen. Um, you are you are no longer a first-class citizen, and you no longer have these rights secured by the Constitution because United States citizens— per the 14th Amendment, federal United States citizens, are subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, and they have privileges and immunities, not God-given constitutionally secured rights. <clears throat> and also, if you're using a date of birth, uh, I, believe that da- I, I believe the date of birth uh, ties people into this jurisdiction because uh, the date of birth is essentially intellectual property uh, that the government is charged to enforce. Uh, this is why <clears throat> I don't tell these guys a date of birth because I don't have a date of birth. You want to you want to compel me to say I have a date of birth? I think that's like tying a guy to a post and beating him until he says his name is Toby. As far as I'm concerned, James, we're in big trouble this year. By the way, why? July the fourth and nine uh, eleven of this year. It adds all up. You know what I'm talking about, Jim Jim Montre? No, what I don't that? know what that, what's that is. That? 
Well, it's 18. 21 is 777, the lower uh, gods. But 18, 6 plus 6 plus 6 is 18. 18. What is eight? Where's 18 come from, though? What's 6? And where do the three sixes come from? Well, you got to add all, like, uh, okay, 911. 911. That's 11. 20, 23. You got to all add up all the numbers. Okay. And it comes yeah. out to 18, and you, you know, 666 is 18. This is okay. some numerology okay. stuff you're talking about, Yeah, right? that's what it sounds like, yeah. yes. Gematria, uh, what I was told. Gematria? Is that is that the word? Gematria. Gematria or whatever. I've heard, yeah. I've heard of it. I don't know really what it means. I bet if Bonnie were here, she'd be able to tell us a little bit about this. She's so, into the so, numbers. So if there's a false flag, mm-hmm. there's a false flag happen on that day. It's, it's because it's, uh, they planned it. You think a false flag would happen on 9-11 or just any old day? July 4th, he said. It happened on 9-11 before, uh-huh. the right, World right. Trade Center. So mm-hmm. so, so are you saying, when, when, when's this false flag going to happen according to your uh Well, Well, I don't know if it will or not, but if it does happen that day... You know, it's it, it was already planned. They see the higher ups; they call them the elite, mm-hmm. the big wigs. They use this kind of stuff. I call them the pedophile yeah. elite. Gematria is, well, according to Wikipedia, the practice of assigning a numerical value to a name, word, or phrase according to an alphanumeric cipher. So, yeah, this is related they're, to. They're a cult, though. They're the occult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there is something to that. Uh, there's a lot of really weird stuff. Like if you go to VigilantCitizen.com, there's all kinds of weird uh, occult stuff that goes on in like pop culture and the politicians are into it or whatever. There's some creepy stuff that's going on out there. There's one more thing I, before I leave. Yes, sir. I want you to look up these words. Hmm. Alien enemy resident and uh, the loss of nationality. Alien enemy residents? Yep. And a loss of nationalities. Well, a loss of nationality is when they swore an oath and stuff, uphold the Constitution, and it says that they list five ways you could lose your United States citizenship. Mm -hmm. You never had it in the first place, though. Let's talk to Gigi in South Carolina. Go ahead, Gigi. Good evening, everybody. Please excuse me. I'm... I'm with a very bad case of laryngitis. I have a question for everybody listening this evening across the U.S. of A. Now, it Mm. reinforces the former caller's concept of constitution Mm. and civil liberties. Why, and I'm asking this in a facetious manner, with someone of a strong-minded accomplished, successful, legal, and academic credentials, why did the grand jury this evening in Miami-Dade County, Florida, grant seven indictments against former President Donald J. Trump when, and I emphasize when, the alleged cause, in parentheses, S, close parentheses, of alleged action slash actions 
allegedly take place in Palm Beach County, wrong jurisdiction. Okay, wait a minute. You're saying this came, the indictment came from Miami and... uh, From Miami-Dade County uh Federal Courthouse earlier this evening. I can answer your question. Hmm. My question is, when there is an alleged cause or causes of action, a grand jury must coincide directly with the jurisdiction unless a change of venue has been filed, which never happened thus far. What is going on? Okay. Go ahead with your answer, Jay. Well, so um, so if the question is basically why did they indict him, you know, the... No, uh, that's not what my question is, sir. Oh, sorry. She the seems to be... seven indictments all came from a federal grand jury out of the jurisdiction mm-hmm. for the federal court of Miami-Dade right, right. County, Florida, yeah. not... Palm Beach. Palm Beach is like, but, but I mean, Gigi, I'm looking at a map here. Uh, Palm Beach is 70 miles away from Miami, so. It doesn't matter. The jurisdiction of the alleged. Okay, but we're talking about federal court, so I just, I've got a map here. It doesn't here. matter. There are federal courts in every county. No, that's not true. Yes, there are. Uh, okay, so Gigi, um, I mean, you're a lawyer. I would expect you, at least I, I'm pretty sure you've told us you're a lawyer before. I would expect that you would know that. Uh, South Carolina. Okay, well, maybe you've never done federal cases before, but in federal court, they have but different. I did. Okay, well, not then you should. South then... Carolina. All right, well, in look, California I'm not trying to tell you your business, Gigi, but in federal court, they have districts. Okay, and so Florida has three of them, according to uh, the map that I pulled up here. And, right, uh, but the... these were partly state violations. Well, I don't know so how she could be indicted in federal court on a state violation. Maybe they can, but either way, if it's it a has federal to court. coincide with the jurisdiction. Okay, but if it's a federal court. And it's all within the Southern District of Florida, then it then doesn't it's matter. Kosher. Huh? Then you are correct, sir. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeing here on the map. So, according to the map, Palm Beach and Miami are both in the Southern uh, Federal District of Florida. So, I think that explains it. But I, I think the more important question here is what is the indictment? Uh, and I, I am seeing here, this is apparently breaking news tonight. It's the first that. There are so called seven causes of action that he was indicted on in Miami-Dade County. Okay, apparently, according to CNBC.com and their reporting on this, the nature are not public of the charges. The indictment is currently sealed. So uh, They're talking about it on MSNBC. They're talking oh, I'm about sure they're it talking on about it CNBC. Everywhere. They're talking about it on CNN. They're talking about it, but they don't know anything about it yet. That is the thing. I mean, they're just talking about the fact that it's happening. It is Please. in the process, but we don't Those know any of the details. different issues, right? Yeah, well, we don't know what the issues are at this point. Presumably, knowing the feds are likely going to be felony charges just because they don't usually waste their time with uh, with misdemeanors. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out as he is attempting to actually run for uh, political office in 2024. Well, here's a good follow-up question, everybody. Can somebody run for federal office if they are being indicted? Yes, yes or no? Yes, they can. Yes, I knew I loved you. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
Trump called these charges election interference at the highest level on Truth Social, which is his Mastodon site. Trump wrote, quote, I never thought it possible that such a thing could happen to a former president of the United States. I am an innocent man, he wrote in all caps. This is indeed a dark day for the United States of America. And I have to agree, I also did not think it was possible. I thought for sure that him being an ex-president would preclude any kind of charges uh, being brought against him, and I was surprised that uh, that they did bring charges, not only at the state level in New York, but also federally in the what looks like Southern Federal District Court in Florida. So Trump is expected to be in federal court on Tuesday, presumably for an arraignment uh, in this matter. And this is ostensibly in relation to the raid. If you recall, last year, Trump's home was raided by right, the FBI. Yeah, by the FBI, which, of course, that alone was was a first. That was what made me realize, oh, my God, the, you know, the, the rules are not what they used to be here. It used to be if you were in the government at the highest levels like a president, you were completely untouchable as far as a criminal uh, charge, as far as a raid on your home. And the fact that they raided his home was what, you know, okay, well... I thought he was safe, but nope, he's definitely not safe. Uh, being the president did not help him in this particular case. They are coming at him, and it's seven charges now. And, of course, we know that in the uh, the Crypto 6 case, they brought out more than a dozen more charges down the line against us uh, when I and, uh, and Aria refused to take their plea offer initially. Yeah, they turned up the heat. They did. Yep. So so it's similar, eight charges. Similar right. thing happened in my case. They mm-hmm. you know, it escalated it to, hey, we're going to contempt charge against you. We're going to put you in prison unless you let us interview your daughter alone. You still didn't do it. Well, the contempt charge got vacated by mm-hmm. the chief of police because of uh, there was a gross mis- mischaracterization of the facts because th- th- these social workers just lied, straight up made up stuff out of thin air, you know, that, I, that I'm anti-government, that I'm dangerous that I uh, live on a compound with lookouts. <laughs> uh, and they said the police said this stuff. And I got an affidavit rebutting it from the police. Who are the lookouts? The chickens? I have no idea. <laughs> chicken coop? Uh, Trump said in his social media posts that, quote, the corrupt Biden administration has informed my attorneys that I've been indicted seemingly over the boxes hoax. And he's referring to the alleged records that were found in his home, allegedly of copy or sorry, uh, classified documents, which they're going to say maybe were a violation of some sort of federal, you know, document handling rules. When I hear that somebody's gotten indicted, you know what that means to me? Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like saying somebody's racist because they didn't marry a girl that was a different color of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, literally. Go ahead, Major. Hey guys. Remember last week I called and I told you about Arizona trying to steal my grandchildren? Yes. yes. Well, I'm getting tired of crying in my beer over this. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me and my ex-wife many years ago. This social worker from Michigan tried to steal our children. Mm. And uh, wow. Aunt Bonnie had run off with the kids, and she was in questionable circumstances. So I can understand why DSS got called. But the woman that ended up being in charge of the case, turns out she had like three or four. Of, she had all of her own children removed from her. So how in the hell can she have standing to judge whether other people are pertinent, relevant, good parents or not? I don't know. It's crazy. She must know exactly. somebody. Th- th- know this either. is super common. There's thousands of them in California of this basically 
you know, they have uh, they couldn't get hired by a daycare because they couldn't pass the quarry test. But, but they can be working, a foster parent. Well, they're working for CPS and they can be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they've made the foster parent rules in here. They just made them a whole lot more dense and stiff. And you pretty much got to count the peanuts and corns in your turds and give them every bit of information that they demand or you're, you're not getting a license. Hmm. So a lot of people that probably would have been good foster parents that actually gave a damn are like, I'm not jumping through all these flaming freaking hoops. Mm-hmm. What else, Major? Well, as far as Sarah and the uh, whole New Mexico driver's license fiasco, yeah, you just got to take into consideration New Mexico or Arizona, right? Uh, New Mexico. No, she's in New Mexico, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's in New Mexico. New Mexico is not as big as Arizona. I was thinking about Arizona and right. Texas too. I mean, they're they're huge flat states, and it's a hundred miles from water and hole to water and hole. So people have a tendency to do a hundred miles an hour on the highway. Mm-hmm. And if you got a bunch of jack wagon troopers, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that don't have licenses anymore. Yeah, that's that's the case. I mean, one out of five people apparently there. Uh, anything else you want to share, Major? Well, as far as the whole Trump thing, they just keep going after him with the hounds of hell. And it's it's become painfully obvious to me they're scared of this man because he won't jump through their hoops. He's not one of their cronies. They don't have no I don't know. I just time. don't buy it. I mean, obviously he's not enough of a crony, but clearly he's got enough uh, crony connections to get where he did get, and he didn't you know, drain the swamp while he was there. So the whole idea that he was well, in there to tear up the place. That's about the only presidential promise he made that he actually couldn't complete. No, oh, that's and nonsense. The swamp wasn't built in four years, and it ain't going to be drained in four yeah, years. Yeah, that's just a he load did, of uh, he, crap. All, 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 of the, all of the promises, pretty much, that he made on the campaign trail, he kept. I yeah, he didn't put Hillary in prison. In <laughs> yeah. life, I don't believe it, Major. I don't know what all the promises were because I don't pay attention to these liars. So, Jay, we got the verdict here in your case. Is that more important to read than your uh, statement from the police chief? What do you think? I think the statement's a little more important to read because, you know, one of the things I'm doing here is I'm fishing for whistleblowers within the system. Mm Mm-hmm. And, they're hard uh, to find. Well, somebody's out there has got to have some stuff. I believe mm-hmm. that uh, that DCYF is uh, scouting to take children, yep. especially after watching the Save the Babies uh, uh, documentary and the Save Baby Cyrus uh, uh, documentary, and you know, reading about this Mel Gibson thing that he's going to do, and you know, the Ukraine stuff and the Biden connections with Ukraine, and all of these people involved in government, they all worship the Biden campaign. All the government employees are uh, employee unions, the teachers' unions, these um, <clears throat> state worker unions, especially, like like the state workers are two different people. Like the guys that plow the road, they give their, their can- campaign, you know, donations to mostly uh, Republicans, uh, the working class government, you know, parasites. And then, you know, the... The death jockey ones, you know, the lawyers, the supervisors, the people in DCYF, uh, for example, almost all of them, the school teachers, they donate very heavily to the Democrat campaigns. Um, Sure they do. And, uh, you know, you you just go like, you know, you just go to the courthouse and you just go to the prosecutor's office and you can see that there's like Biden stickers on cars. (laughs) Um, And, you know, so any I mean. If I see someone with a Biden sticker on their car and like they're going to their car, I'm like, why are you supporting a pedophile? What's wrong with you? 
Hmm. Are you a pedophile? Oh, they get really pissed when you start asking that question. So, anyways, uh, yeah. uh, So you've got a letter from the town police chief from the town you live in? This is an affidavit, not a letter. This was an Mm -hmm. affidavit that was filed in family court, Hillsborough Family Court, Hillsborough, New Hampshire. This is what got the charge dropped against you? This is what got the uh, contempt order uh, Mm -hmm. uh, dropped against us. So Mm -hmm. this this was a motion to intervene, a motion to correct, to correct, uh, and uh, this was um, the uh, in a motion to vacate the contempt charge that was done by the Henniker chief of police. And this is his, and this is part of his affidavit. I got this in a right to know request, and I only got a couple pages of. It. I didn't get the entire thing. This is not. So he didn't complete. give this to you. I got this in a right to know request. Oh, interesting. Um, so that's but all. You, I'm did say you about. ask him to write this to the court? Uh, no. Okay. No, I, I, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. He, like, but you know, he saw something was wrong. Right. Okay. Like, like, this is guy's a good family man, and he wants the world to be a better place for his kids. Hmm. And he understands, like, you know, you know what happens when, you know, people lie, and and this explains wow. lies. How did he so, end up as a police chief? That's crazy. Um, you know, uh, the dude's got a stellar reputation in town. I have not heard anybody say a bad word about this That's guy. That's amazing. You and, lucked out because a lot and, of these guys are total thugs. Yeah, because you just go to like Concord and or even like Ware's gotten a lot better. Ware, mm-hmm. the, Ware's got a new police police chief, and he's got a um, good reputation with the people of Ware currently. I haven't heard anybody, hmm. but like the people of Ware and just you know with the uh, former administration. This is Ware, New Hampshire, a town just south of Henniker. Um, they were very upset with the uh, chief of police there. Oh, uh, yeah, more because, than once. Because he literally created, you know, millions of dollars worth of liabilities because the Ware Police Department kept on getting sued, kept on sure. getting sued for the same pattern of activity. Total corruption. Yes. <clears throat> so um, on March 29th, Jay Noon, father of child at issue. This is last year, right? Yep. Contacted me via phone and offered to meet at a local restaurant in an attempt to engage the family after DCYF was uh, unable to develop any kind of dialogue with them, I agreed to meet him. Hmm. Uh, this is after he had left a business card at my place and said, please call me. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, there, uh, I thereafter met with Mr. New, Mrs. Spaulding, and both children and was able to observe the familial interactions as well as the behaviors and appearances of the children. Following my meeting, I discussed the outcome with DCYF caseworkers and attempted to explain the parents' perspective and my observations of the children. I relayed that the children's clothes were clean and that they both had clean faces, ears, and noses. Additionally, the baby's scalp was clear or was clean and clear, and the two-year-old was energetic and active. Like most two-year-olds, as parents of two and a police officer of over 29 years with experience in child neglect and abuse— it was clear to me that these children were not neglected. Mm. I Bam. relate. I mean, if you had to just stop reading there, that'd be all you'd need, right? Right. right. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. When I relayed my observations to the caseworkers, they commented in a negative manner about the rambunctiousness of the two-year-old who several times exited <laughs> the restaurant. Now, uh, these social workers don't have kids. Right. In fact, the one social worker... Uh, has stolen children. She has adopted children. Wow. She's a foster mom, and she's married to a woman mm-hmm. that works in the Department of Corrections for the state of New Hampshire. Jeez. These are just career parasites. Right. <clears throat> um, uh, a manner about the rambunctiousness of the two-year-old who several times exited the restaurant, again, acting normally for a two-year-old. Note that the child was in no immediate danger upon exiting the restaurant as it opens into a very large flat patio. 
and not into the parking lot or roadway. So this was in the motion for a contempt. Mm-hmm. She basically wrote that the kid was like running around mm-hmm. uh, unattended. And this was the reason that, you know, they needed to um, interview my child or put me and my wife in a prison, you know, in a jail cell for not doing that. Just to clarify, the DCYF agent used this guy's statement about... No, no this is rebutting her statement. The DCY- How would she know that your kid was running around in a restaurant? Uh, they were watching us. Oh. Yeah, they were at the restaurant watching us. We that's weren't aware creepy. of that. Yep, that's very creepy. Um, <clears throat> uh, anyways, uh, where we go back here? Oh, uh, the patio is at least 12 foot wide, 24 foot long, perhaps even longer. This door doesn't exit directly into the parking lot or street. The father was paying close attention to the child and continuously and immediately uh, brought her back inside. Now, mm-hmm. we were in there for like an hour, an hour and a half talking to this guy. Yeah, meeting. it's a long so, time for so a kid. basically... They just run around, and what we we go to there like once a month. And we'll, when we're done eating, uh, me and the kids will go outside, and it's like plates. They got like a, it's a maple syrup operation they have there. It's sure. pretty cool. We just yeah. like we just go run around the property. It's a big nice property. Um, <clears throat> this is the uh, Intervale Pancake House, Hennifer, okay. New Hampshire. Great family restaurant. Uh, obviously, if I believed a child was in danger, I would have stepped in, but I did not, as mm-hmm. a child was being appropriately cared for. I later attempted to put this in perspective for Attorney Baker. That's I a DCYF wanna, attorney? That's an attorney from DCYF, and yeah. I want to know about this attorney. Mm-hmm. I want somebody that is to whistleblow on this attorney. These people are extremely corrupt. On April 1st, my agency accompanied DCYF to the family's residence for an attempt to conduct a home assessment per the court order. It should be noted that this was not planned with my agency. Prior to this attempt, I had notified DCYF that the family conveyed to me multiple times it would not consent to an assessment. And you don't have to do this assessment. Mm-hmm. Actually, you have to sign a, a form giving them consent to do this assessment. I bet you do. Uh, um, You've got to contract with them to get right. them into your life even further. Despite these notices, DCYF insisted on, insisted on conducting unannounced visits at the noon residence. Mm. Surprisingly and consistently with my prior interactions... Um, or my prior contact with Mr. Noon, Mr. Noon advised the officers in DCYF he would not consent to the assessment by DCYF. This thing he's talking about is on my YouTube channel, uh, Jay Noon. You can go see the video of, uh, I believe it says Noon versus DCYF or Mm -hmm. DCYF goons. On April 3rd, Mr. Noon contacted me and stated he would allow myself and or two other specific Henniker police officers to conduct the assessment and interview with the child. I relayed this directly to Attorney Baker, who stated, Henniker PD is not qualified and there is no compromising, despite the fact that this is contemplated and permitted per the court's March 28th order. Hmm. Now, this is a little, he's quoting the order here, a police officer, juvenile probation and parole officer or child protection service worker shall enter the premises of the child in furtherance of the Department of Health and Human Services investigation to assess the immediate safety and well-being of the children. So it's good enough for the judge, but not good enough for DCYF. That's correct. Mm -hmm. It is ludicrous to me that my lieutenant, who is a biological mother of two children, a stepmother of two children, has extensive training in interviewing child victims of sexual domestic violence, has participated in countless forensic interviews with victims of abuse in her 17-year career, is not qualified to conduct a home assessment arising from an incident of a two-year-old being left unattended in a vehicle. On April 5th, DCYF requested another unannounced home visit for the following day. 
Knowing that it would be like it would likely be futile, I inquired as to whether they knew if Mr. Noon's position on the assessment had changed since their last interaction. DCYF was seemingly disappointed with my continued interest in the matter and my advising that Mr. Noon would, however, be amendable to my officers completing the assessment. I was not attempting to negotiate some different resolution, but trying to resolve the matter without causing unnecessary upset. Hmm. On April 6th, Mr. Noon contacted me by via phone, asking me to asking to meet with me regarding the order consenting to HPD conducting the home assessment. I explained to Mr. Noon the position of DCYS as of this writing two weeks ha- uh, 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 the position of DCYF. Period. As of this writing, two weeks have passed since my last correspondent with anyone from DCYF. Notably, if the concern is for the welfare of the children, then any immediate intervention investigation regarding the living arrangements in the house in the home should be paramount. <laughs> Therefore, if the family is agreeable to Henniker Police Department conducting an inspection, then why is DCYF not permitting this immediate inspection? DCYF's position is ne- is neglect or is nonsensical. Uh, not going into the into this home if DCYF actually believes that the children are neglected is clearly mm. not in the best interest of the children. Right. So he's saying that if it were actually their interest to help these kids, if they're truly in danger, then assuredly having some cops who know how to take care of kids in his ca- in this lieutenant's case in there would be better than nothing. Yes. And they're saying, no, it's either our way or the highway. Waiting for the contempt uh, proceedings to play out will take time, and time is of the essence. If the division, he's talking about DCYF, truly believes these children are unsafe, there, they have been, uh, there have been suggestions that my agency uh, would not do as thorough as an assessment as DCYF or are somehow less experienced in doing so. While I disagree... I would per- propose that DCYF provide some sort of guideline as to the areas in which they would like to review, inspect, to avoid any failure of the officers in doing so. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this mm-hmm. is incomplete. That's all I got there. But that is what got the motion to uh, vacate removed on April 27th, 2022. And the very next thing that happened on April 27th, 2022 is a warrant was issued for my wife's arrest. Oh, how convenient. How convenient. And these agencies work together and they cover up. Mm -hmm. How convenient that we have a career Karen who has a fishy relationship status, based on what we can tell, that Mm -hmm. worked in the Merrimack County Prosecutor's Office. And these these DCYF uh, agents work in that office and they Mm -hmm. communicate with that office. Um, and, And I think that there is a conspiracy going on here to harvest children. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.